In God's name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning. My name is Tim Hodap. I am your canon for Mission Collaboration, which is the old hat of congregational life and development that clergy have worn for decades in our church. I uh, served the Episcopal Church in Connecticut out of Meriden with our bishops. So depending on the Sunday, it determines which of the 168 parishes and worshiping communities in our diocese I may show up in the morning. It's my first time at St. Matthew's, and I was here for the 8 o'clock service. Marissa showed me around. You have an exquisite sanctuary. This is quite the place. And man, it was great to be here earlier for that quiet, collected service, and wonderful to see the pre-service mayhem going on in the back. It reminds me of my parish back home. So it's really fun to be with you this morning. Thank you, Marissa, for the invitation. I um, am often in congregations where there's something new and interesting going on in the life of the parish because of some development, some new program that's thriving, and very often in congregations where things are stirred up and there might be some concern and some need for attention. Uh, once or twice a quarter, a Sunday opens up and I call priests and say, hey, can I come to your place? And that was the call to Marissa. Do you have a Sunday where I can come? I need to get to a parish that's on some kind of even keel. And I know you have your stuff to deal with. And it's great to be with you this morning. Last October, our annual convention resolved to enter a two-year, it may take three years, it may take another generation this season of racial healing, justice, and reconciliation. And our delegates who were at convention with the bishops said that on the second Sunday of February for the next couple of years, all parishes will be invited to enter into a conversation with their congregations about the sin of racism. So today on the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, we turn with our sisters and brothers across our diocese and shed some light on a subject that's shrouded in shadows. The sin of racism, which some identify as our nation's original sin. Now that's an interesting notion. Original sin is something that insinuates itself into the life of people, at least as Augustine wrote about it. It was Adam and Eve, our original parents, turning away from God and creating a chasm between me and you, between me and God, between me and this world in which we live. There's the original sin that we all identify with and all struggle with. Original sin was breached by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Heaven's been won for us. So we're actually free, and we continue to struggle. But racism as our original sin imprinted on each of us that continues to reverberate through the centuries since the English first arrived in Virginia and Massachusetts, the Spaniards, the Portuguese, the French to the north and the south and the west of us. If that's true, how do we, how do I begin to reconcile what's been broken by that sin? And how do we Episcopalians in Connecticut grapple with the racism that continues to impact our culture and influence society. The readings that we've got this morning aren't the fourth Sunday of Epiphany readings. These are the, from the Feast of Absalom Jones, 
Absalom Jones, born as a house slave in 1746 in Delaware, died a free man on February 13, 1818. And it's his feast day, which is coming up this week in our Book of Saints that we celebrate. The first person of color who was ordained an Episcopal priest. At 16, he was sold and he moved from Delaware to a storefront owner up in Philadelphia where the Quakers taught him how to read at a black night school. Jones, in 1784, bought his freedom. 1784 was the year Samuel Seabury was ordained bishop of the Episcopal Church in Connecticut. As a member of St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church, Jones's, Jones's evangelical activism brought in a large number of black parishioners. And this was a traditionally white church. One morning they were surprised to find that the vestry had voted that no, you don't sit with us. We need you to go up the back stairs and stay in the balcony above us. And those balconies across Connecticut in our churches have been used over the centuries for people of color, for people less than us, including our cathedral at Christ Church Cathedral in downtown Hartford. It's interesting, this original sin of racism. Jones in 1794 took his little church of St. Thomas African Episcopal was established by him and they appealed to the Episcopal Diocese of Pennsylvania to be received as a parish. In the diocese, the bishop said, absolutely. Jones was ordained a deacon in 1795, a priest in 1802. And today's readings offers us this commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends. You are my friends. Chosen by Jesus to walk in Jesus' new way of love and hope and joy. So indeed, that fracture that Eden's original sin creates, a chasm between us, has been bridged by a new way of life that Jesus is giving us. Be each other's friends. Love each other in mutual respect, in a way of egalitarianism. How appropriate this scripture for Absalom Jones, no longer a slave but a friend, and appropriate for all of us in our parishes across the Episcopal Church in Connecticut as we shoulder this conversation and begin a season of racial healing and justice and reconciliation. We and they, us and them, this dichotomy is the heart of any conversation about racism, and that sin is in the air we breathe as, as Americans. It's been there from the beginning. In 1606, King James I, the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, took the throne as sovereign after Elizabeth I died. England's sovereign issued a charter to Virginia Company of London for attractive land in the mid-Atlantic of this new world. It included the Chesapeake Bay, and within 10 years, 351 English settlers were there in six different settlements. And that was the year when Pocahontas and John Rolfe and their son departed for London. 1616, the law of headrights chartered English gentlemen to come, and if you pay for your passage over the ocean, you will be granted 50 acres of land. For every man you bring with you, you get an additional 50 acres. So the more men, free or enslaved, the larger the land grant would be given. The first Africans to arrive three years later 
1619 were taken from Angola, captured in the Congo, marched 200 miles to the west coast of Africa, to the coastal slave trading ports that fed the slaves to the Dutch, Portuguese, and Spanish sugar plantation owners in the Caribbean. They boarded a ship with 350 other slaves, cargoes, and slated for Veracruz on Mexico's coast in the Gulf. And nearing their destination, two English ships overtook the cargo slave ship and took from them 50 of the slaves, stole them, and they eventually ended up at Point Comfort, which is now Hampton in Virginia. And so it began. And over the centuries, more than 12.5 million Africans were enslaved, finally ending with the slave ship Clotilda in 1860, illegally smuggling 190 slaves into Mobile, Alabama. But, you know, that was Virginia, and that was Alabama. But wait, last summer, in the heat of summer, I was at one of our churches, the oldest Episcopal church in Connecticut, which is in Northeast Connecticut, Trinity, Old Trinity, in Brooklyn. And this was a church that was built by a plantation owner who was also an Anglican clergyman and who lived in Rhode Island but had land in Connecticut. He was being taxed to build the Congregational Meeting House, and he said, what if I take that Connecticut tax and I'll build us a real church? And it was granted by Connecticut legislature. So up went this beautiful clapboard church. It's two, two stories tall, has all the original clapboard plank floor balconies. His slaves built that church. And you walk up into the balcony as I did on the 4th of July, sweating to beat the band. And on the backs of those balcony pews are carved slave ships and the initials of this clergyman. And the hand of God pointing down at a clergyman in tabs with eyes and open mouth in fear. It's amazing. Trinity, Brooklyn, which is, that's old Trinity. New Trinity was built at the start of the Civil War and is in downtown Brooklyn. Just north of us, Massachusetts, the first colony in New England to legalize slave ownership and became the center for 17th and 18th century slave trade. In fact, there was no legislation in Massachusetts to outlaw slavery until the legislature ratified the 13th Amendment in 1865. Slavery, our original sin, is defined as all about race, the difference in race, yet ethnicity is all about identity and culture, not race. I may claim 100% Irish, but 100% Irish race? I'm of a species called Homo sapiens. There's no scientific definition of race. Race is a social construct. And in reality, every one of us is a mix of ethnicities. Asked as a kid, what are you? I'd respond, I'm Irish-German. Simple. My great-great-grands came from counties Kilkenny and Antrim in the 1850s, fleeing the potato famine that claimed 25% of Ireland's people, most of them dying, some of them fleeing. My great-grandfather served the Union Army was shot at Second Bull Run, was part of the great railroad build across the upper Midwest, and eventually settled in southern Minnesota. Another Irish great-grand logged the dense forests around a industry town 
where the forest and Lake Superior met called Duluth. My German side came from Bavaria, settled just south of Pig's Eye, Minnesota, which was later renamed St. Paul by the Irish Catholic immigrants. They had class. My great-great-grandfather helped found what became my hometown, Mankato, situated in the densely forested land that by the mid-18th century, when he moved to this town he was building, was being taken from the First Nation Dakota Sioux and Ojibwe and given to expanding farmlands owners and settlers like my grandpa's family. Grandpa's land deed hangs in the original property. It was signed by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. A hundred plus years later, there are few people of color in my bustling agriculture and university town of 25,000, solid middle-class citizens, and I was blithely unaware of just how entitled I was. These things that were automatically mine simply because I was white and male and educated. So imagine my surprise years later when my little sister did DNA testing on all of us and I found out just how much a mutt I am. Part of me is 53% Irish. There's German, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, Greek, Scandinavian, East and West Asian, and Middle Eastern. So not as pure as I thought I was. The middle son of a family of five boys, I learned that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you make something of yourself. But what if I don't have a pair of boots? What if I have no idea what a bootstrap is? After all, I'm Minnesotan, born and bred, no racism there. And yet, I am the great-great-grandson of a German settler who protected his family in the infamous 1862 Sioux Uprising in Minnesota, where under President Lincoln's order, 38 Sioux Indians were hanged in my hometown just a few blocks from where I grew up. I'm also the Irish grandson of a young woman who worked in downtown Duluth for a law firm and where on June 14th in 1920, a corner that she passed every day, three young men, children of former slaves, were accused of violating a white woman unjustly and they were lynched. Inequality is pervasive and makes life harder. Last Sunday's headline on the Hartford Current's opinion page. Terry Borgeson, a member of the State Board of Pardons and Paroles observed, I see a daily basis how the lack of opportunity, inequality of education, decaying neighborhoods and the prevalence of crime and violence in concentrated areas are making life challenging for many. Well, my 16-year-old put-together self would assert, if you live in that kind of neighborhood, then get out. On April 8, 1968, Representative John Conyers marched through Memphis with Coretta Scott King and the thousands of others who came to march on Memphis four days after Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot. Jelani Cobb, professor of journalism at Columbia University, recently wrote in the New Yorker's Talk of the Town that Representative Conyers' legislation first introduced in the House of Representatives, making January 15th King's birthday a national holiday, languished for 15 years before Congress ratified it in 1983. And oddly, it wasn't until 1999 when our neighbors to the north in New Hampshire finally ratified it 
that the holiday was celebrated across the US. As a side note, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi also celebrate the birth of Robert E. Lee on January 19th, and they celebrate that on the third Monday of every January. Awkward. In a speech delivered in 1967 on the Vietnam War, King warned against the triple evils of racism, economic exploitation, and militarism. A prescient warning from a prophet's lips, and it reverberates today, and it's more than 50 years later, and how far have we come? What's left for us to do? Thank God I'm not a racist. Yesterday I pulled into a CVS parking lot, I spotted an opening, I began to take it, and pulling in the passenger door of the car next to the spot I was taking opened right up. So I hit my brakes, and a tall young black man stood up his hand on the car door, and he looked at me and immediately went into his, a wave. His eyes transformed from, I don't know what he was thinking, who are you, or slow down, buddy, to the smile, bright smile, great hand wave. I wave back, I smile back, the old white guy in the hoodie. The young female driver, also black, walked around the front of the car where she met up with him and the two of them walked into the CVS. I paused. What just happened in that 10 second wordless exchange? 10 seconds and so much fired through the synapses of my brain. My past, my default, my enculturated self took control. Who's opening that car door as I drive in? Well, whoever they may be, they don't know I'm driving. Slow down, take a breath, let it go. Oh, it's a young black man. Oh, he's smiling and waving. I'm smiling and waving. He's so nice to me, I was so nice to him. I'm not prejudiced, I'm not racist. Oh, yes, I am. I sat there mulling over what I witnessed. I called my niece, Madeline, who is biracial. Her father's family were taken from Nigeria, Ghana, the Ivory Coast. Madeline is this bright young soul, 27 years old, herself a mother. She's one of my 14 beloved nieces and nephews. She herself with her little baby boy born on December 8th. She's named him Taj, that's the Persian word for prince. Of course, being her uncle, I teased her, what's his middle name, Mahal? And she said, oh, Timmy. I told her about the wordless exchange that I had, including the conversation in my head. And I said, how do I do it, honey? How do I move from this me and you and us and them, this enculturated part of me. And she said, you keep doing exactly what you're doing, Uncle Timmy. And then I pulled the phone away and I put her on speaker and I started to write her words down. She said of herself, I must constantly track the voices of enculturation, better than, smarter than, stronger than, or be aware of, be afraid of. 
especially those that presume realities of class and race and gender because that's the only way I can begin to understand what's happening within me and in the world around me. Being aware, constantly vigilant, tending to my heart, it's the only way I can move from basic awareness to understanding, and it's also the only way I can protect my son. And it's only then, when I encounter someone else's truth, as they choose to express it in all their glorious diversity, that I can begin to appreciate it. Oh, Maddie. From awareness to understanding to appreciation, paying attention to this makes things easier for my grandnephew Taj and our three other nephews of color in our extended family of friends, Dominic, Darius, and Dorian, all younger than three years. I want to walk the way of Jesus and my friends, I want to walk the way of Jesus with you. It's a way of love. It's a way of friendship. And to do it, I must practice what Jesus teaches. Love one another as I have loved you. And be my friend. Now, that's a simple way to confront racism. Or is it? Amen. Amen.